Amen. Healing works. Tithing works. The word works. Faith works. It all works. Amen. It all works. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. All right. Uh, Psalm 71. And uh, I'm going to read verse 19 through 21. Y'all have that? Psalm 71, verse 19 to 21. Okay, let's read all together. Ready? Read. Also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things. O God, who is like you? You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Again, verse 21, you shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Tonight, I want to talk on this subject. We're continuing this series. We're, we're on about greatness. And I want to look specifically, specifically on uh, programmed for greatness. Programmed for greatness. Father, thank you tonight for the word we're about to receive. We pray for each person that's in this room and even those who are watching online all over the world and those who will be watching even for years to come, that God, that they'll hear this word, that Father, they'll, they'll take heed how they hear and that Father, as they hear, they'll receive the word with meekness and, and so, because it's able to save our very souls and that God, they'll receive this word not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, your word, which works effectively in those who believe. Tonight, we'll take your word, mix it with faith, so that it will profit us, and you'll get all the glory and the honor and the praise we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, programmed for greatness. Now, uh, let's do a quick review. We've been looking at Romans chapter 8, verse 30, and I want, to, want you to pull that up in the Amplified Bible. And uh, Romans 8, verse 30 says, at the end of that, and those whom he justified, he also did what? Glorified, raising them to a what? Heavenly dignity and condition. I only hear like three people reading. What's the, what's the deal? Y'all are here? Everybody here? We're in Romans chapter 8, verse 30. This, this is class. This is participation, all right? I need you to participate so you can stay along with me. I prayed just now that you take heed how you hear. How you hear means you get in a position now. Stir yourself up. Pay attention, all right? Go along with everything we tell you to do. It'll work out just fine for all of us. Amen. So let's read. Now we're going to read the whole verse now. Since y'all didn't want to read the last one, let's read the whole verse. Ready? Read. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. All right, very good class. So it says, he also glorified. We've been focusing on that here for the last several weeks, that God has glorified us. That glorified, again, is spelled out here, raising us, them is us, to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. So God is always in the, in, in the business of raising us up. You got it? So wherever you start, when you come to the Lord, he's always interested in raising you up. Okay? No matter what God tells you to do, the purpose of, behind it is to raise you up. I just came to mind here in Mark 10, uh, this, there's a story of, the, of what the Bible calls the rich young ruler. It's a true story. Comes to Jesus Christ and says, hey, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you know you keep all the commandments and so forth. The young man said, well, all these commandments I've kept from my youth. And the Bible says Jesus looked on him and loved him and said, here, I tell you one more thing to do. Take everything you have, sell it, and give to the poor and follow me. The young man took that as a negative. He took it like this man must be crazy to ask me to sell everything and give to the poor. I want to know how to have the good life. I can't have the good life if I sell everything and give to the poor. This is what he's thinking. He walked away sorrowful, the Bible said. Because he had great riches. But what he didn't know was, was that he was, if he had obeyed the Lord, he would have been in line for a raise. Remember, he left, right? So Jesus begins to explain and says, oh, it's hard for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples, they didn't understand it like, well, what about us? Because they were rich too. And he said, they said, what about us? And Jesus said, it's hard for those who trust in their riches to enter the kingdom of God. Then he goes on and get Mark 10, verse 30 on the screen. Mark 10, verse 30, glory to God. Uh, get verse, sorry, verse 29, in fact. Verse 29, he says, So Jesus answered and said, I surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or 
father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, verse 30, who shall not, who shall not, who shall not what? So Jesus Christ was trying to get this young man to receive something. He couldn't see that. He only thought Jesus Christ was, was, was trying to get, get him to give up something. But God is always interested in raising us up, not putting us down. So anything God asks you to give up, he has something for you to receive in mind. So he says, who shall not receive uh, a hundredfold? Now that would have been some come up right there. A man who was already rich to get a hundred. Now there's no return. You can't go through Wells Fargo. You can't go through any kind of mortgage company. You can't go through any, any, sort, any sort of investment group to get a hundredfold return. It doesn't, if, you, if somebody offers you that, it's a, it's a scam, I'm telling you. It's a scam. You're going to be on American Greed crying. But God promises, and he does not lie. He can't lie. He promises the hundredfold return for those who give up something for him. Amen. Amen. So God is always, always interested in raising us up. So let's go back to Romans 8, verse 30 again. He said, raising them up to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. All right? Now, that word glorify, we've been looking at that in the Greek. It's the word doxazo. Remember that? Okay? And on the end of that, it means to cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. Y'all remember that? So here's what God is, wants to do with you is to cause your dignity and worth to become manifest and acknowledged. All right? But it's got to first be acknowledged by you. So that's the fight that you and I are in is that Satan's trying to make sure that you and I don't acknowledge or don't know our worth or our dignity. He wants to give us a perverted view of who we are. He wants to give us an inferior view of who we are. So he doesn't want us to know who we are. He doesn't want us to know whose we are. And he doesn't, doesn't want us to know who's inside of us. You remember that? I've been going over that with you every week. He doesn't want you to know who you are whose you are, or who's inside you. Now, whose are you? Come on, I belong to God. Say it, I belong to God. I'm property of G-O-D, praise God. Now, who's inside you? The Holy Ghost. God himself is on the inside of you. So you can't be anybody ordinary, not of God. The whole God of the universe is on the inside of you. You can't be common. You can't be regular. You can't be average if the God of the whole universe is taking up residence on the inside of you. But the devil doesn't want you to know that. And so he fights. That's why he doesn't want you to spend time in the Word. Because if you look into the mirror of the Word, it's going to show you. It, 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 won't, it won't just show you flaws that you may have, little things you got to change. But it'll show you the aspiration of who you're going to be. Matter of fact, your Bible says that when you look into this, into this Word, you, you will be transformed from glory to glory. Into the same image, from glory to glory. The more you look at it, the more you discover, oh, that's who I am. Oh, y'all not catching. Jesus himself had to get into the word and find out who he was. Isn't that right? He wasn't born knowing who he was. He was born Joseph's boy. Matter of fact, when he, when he became a young man and he began to minister, the people kept saying, isn't that the carpenter's boy? See, they were trying to lay an identity on him. They were trying to lay an inferior identity on him, uh, inferior to who he really was. Sure, in his human body, he was born a carpenter's boy, but he came here on assignment. And so he had to get into the word of God and discover who he was. Oh, y'all listening to me. He had to get in there and discover who he was. And so the devil doesn't want you to open this book ever. He knows it's dangerous for you to him if you open this book. Because you open this book, you spend any quality amount of time in it. And if you mess around and pray and ask the Lord to reveal things and show you things, you're going to find out who you are and you become a threat to his whole system. You got it? All right, so the devil's fighting us on that, but we're, we're winning with that. Amen? Now, I want to show you this here because the devil tried this with Jesus. Look in Luke 4. You know this story. Many of you do. But let's read it. 
in Luke 4 because the devil tried to make, tried to pervert Jesus Christ's identity. He, he, what, what he'll do is, is, is he'll try to keep you, again, from knowing who you are because if he knows if you don't know who you are, you'll never lay claim to your inheritance. Glory to God. You'll never become great God's way. So then what he'll do is he'll offer a perverted way to become great. Warning. The devil has ways to make people great. Now, I already told you that. He'll do that as long as he can keep you trapped in darkness. Remember, I've been preaching to you, that to you on Sundays earlier this year, all right? But we don't want to be trapped in darkness by doing things uh, the devil's way. So he came to Jesus Christ with the same thing, same messed up stuff in Luke chapter 4. Look at this in Luke 4, verse 5. Are you there? It says, then the devil taking him, that's Jesus, up on a high mountain, showing him what? In a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority, come on, I will give you, and their glory. Glory to God. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. Now, what's the devil doing? He's offered Jesus Christ an alternative path to greatness. And your Bible says the servant is not greater than his Lord, than his master. So if the, if the devil did it to Jesus Christ, guess what? He's going to do it to you. He's going to offer you an alternative path to greatness. That's why there are so many people who, who are Beyonce's in the world. Now, y'all don't get offended about your lemonade song. This, this, don't get offended with me, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. Beyonce's and the Whitney's of the world who got their start KC and JoJo, y'all remember KC and JoJo, Jodeci? Those boys were choir boys singing in the church. Musicians in the church, Luke. Oh yeah, they were in the church. But the devil comes along and offers because they, if they don't know who they are, y'all get mad. They get mad on that side about their heroes. He comes along and offers an alternative path to greatness. So have they become great? Yes. His way. Yes, which means they're beholden to him. And God gets under the glory. <laughs> they're mad. Praise the Lord. Well, stay mad, but you're going to be glad if you listen to what I'm saying to you. And the devil does that. He does that. He does that. And he does it by getting you to question your identity. Remember, if you know this story here in Luke 4, this is the second temptation. The first temptation and the third temptation, on either, end, either, either bookend, the devil came to Jesus Christ and said, if you are the son of God. In other words, do you know who you are? The only good thing about it was Jesus Christ knew who he was. So when he, when he returned his answer to the, to the enemy, to the devil, he returned his answer by the word of God. With an assurance of who he was, I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm not, I'm not going to yield to you because I know who I am. So here in Luke, Luke 4, verse 5 through 8, when he comes with this temptation of, hey, all this stuff I have, and I'll give it to you if you bow down and worship me. Jesus Christ knew better than that. I'm not going to take your alternative route to greatness. Matter of fact, look what he says in verse 8. Verse 8. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. That's where the devil belongs, behind you, not in front of you, leading you. He belongs behind. Matter of fact, he belongs under your feet. He said, get behind me, for it is written, here it is with the word again, you shall worship the Lord, your God, and, 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 him only, Beyonce. I'm, I'm going to keep messing with y'all. Him only, Jay-Z. Him only, Casey and JoJo. Him only, Whitney. Prince. And him only shall you serve. Well, they serve God. Stop lying. Don't, don't fool yourself. They're not serving God. You can't serve God singing about booty shaking.
God doesn't get any glory out of the booty shaking. I'm going to talk to y'all. Y'all looking at me funny anyway. I might as well talk right at your level. Because I don't, ain't scared of none of y'all. Wake up, Justin. Listen to this, son. Because he's going to try to tempt you and give you a perverted route to greatness. Because he knows, he knows you're supposed to be great. He knows you're supposed to be great. You're God's child. He knows you are programmed for greatness. So he'll offer you an alternative route. Just do it this way. And what he'll do is he'll get you to give up either one or all three of these things, your honesty, your integrity, or your dignity. All for greatness. But tell your neighbor, you don't have to go that route. God has a way. Tell them God has a way. God has a way. God has a plan for your greatness. God wants to make you great. Man, I better go to preach to some other church, man. I'm a, I'm a. I said God has a plan to make you great. Glory to God. Now, Jesus knew this. Look at Matthew 20. Jesus understood spiritual law. Matthew 20. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why are you picking on Beyonce? I'm not. I'm picking on you because you look up to them. And the Bible says the blind, the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. So you let them lead you, you're going to be in the ditch where they're going to end up. Matthew 20, verse 20. Jesus understood spiritual law. You got that? There's a law, just like we talked about the law of exaltation, there's a law of greatness. Now watch this, Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons. Now Zebedee was the father of James and John. Okay, so this is, this is uh, James and John's uh, mother. I'm not sure why they didn't just say Zebedee's wife. They said the mother of Zebedee's sons. Like, this is Zebedee's baby's mamas. That's what, babies, that's, what, that's just the way it put it. I just, it's just baby mama. All right. It says, kneeling down and asking something from him. And verse 21 says, and he said to her, what do you wish? In other words, what do you want? She said, said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit on one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am able, about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that, I'm about, that I am baptized with? He's talking about some going through this suffering here. They said, this is sons, they said to him, we are able. He, so he said, all right then, good for you guys. You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. Verse 24, now watch, get, get sticky here. And when the 10, the other 10 disciples heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Now watch spiritual law. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. So the way to become great is to serve. That's spiritual law. You ought to have that jotted down. Matthew 20 and verse 25, 26. So you ever heard, ever heard have this jotted down. This is, this is, this is a key. This is, this is a key of the kingdom right here. Just like the law of exaltation. Here, this is the law of greatness here. He said, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Another word for servant here. Don't get offended by that. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to See, the devil tried to get him to get in a position right away to be served. But Jesus already knew, I didn't come here to be served. That would have been a perverted route to greatness. 
I didn't come to, to, be, to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Or he's saying my life a ransom for many. The devil was trying to give him instant stardom, instant greatness. But Jesus said, that ain't what I come for. I'm here to serve. I'm here to give my life. Praise God. Y'all have that. All right, now, let's, let me keep going here. So I want you to make no, no mistake about this, that you are supposed to be great. Everybody say, I'm supposed to be great. I'm supposed to be great. Say it again like you mean it. I'm supposed to be great. I'm supposed to be great. Glory to God. Now, I mean, how can you not be great if we're filled with God? Remember I taught you that on last week. In fact, get this, this scripture on the screen. Job 36, please. Job 36, verse 26 in the message translation. Job 36, 26 in the message translation. Let's look at it here on the screen, please. Hallelujah. Here's what, what it says here. Take a long, hard look. This is talking about God. See how great he is, infinite, greater than anything you could ever imagine or figure out. So God is great. Now, remember, let's go to 2 Chronicles, please. 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. I'm moving at a fast clip because I want to get to where we're going tonight here. This is just review. 2 Chronicles 5, 2, verse 5 and 6. This is David talking about building a temple for the Lord. Now, remember, we just read the Lord is great. I mean, it's far beyond our imagination. As big as we think God is, he's greater than that. Okay? It says, and the temple which I build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. Verse 6, but who was able to build him a temple since heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Who am I then that I should build him a temple except to burn sacrifice before him? So, I mean, the, the heavens can't contain him. Because again, verse 5 says, because he's great. All right, now then I showed you last week in 1 Corinthians, New Testament, 3.16. Now that's Old Testament. New Testament after Jesus Christ has come, 1 Corinthians 3.16, notice what it says. Do you not know that you are? Wait on y'all to catch up with me. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Now, he just told us back here in 1 Chronicles that the, that the, the heavens couldn't handle him. Do you know who you are? This is what I want you to understand. He said the temple has to be great because the God who's going to live in it is going to be great. Is great. So the temple has to be sufficient. Glory to God. Let me, let me, here's a picture that just came to my mind, Deke. Hopefully, you, I know you can relate. It would be like if all of a sudden I, I uh, went and bought a Rolls Royce Phantom. Brand new. Not some auction piece of junk. A brand new Rolls Royce Phantom. Uh, right out there from, from Dimmit. On Park. Those things are nice. I went, in, went out there one day and sat in one of those things. Like, man, that's nice. Just prophesying to my future. Rolls Royce Phantom. Now, wouldn't it be nuts, Deke? If I drove that thing home, now we're talking about a half million dollars just about. By the time you had taxi, you had a half million dollars. If I drove that thing home, and I live in a two-bedroom, one-bath cottage, <laughs> with, a one, with a car under a carport. What? That's what? That's too much car. Too much car. Yeah. Or not enough house. <laughs> now you got that, right? You got that picture. So what you understand is what I put, is, okay, or, or what if I went, then went, uh, got my car deep. On the way home, though, I drive north and go to Ethan Allen. 
Oh, y'all don't know Ethan Allen. Okay. <laughs> okay, Ethan Allen, they sell, they sell, they sell that good furniture. Now, I'm not talking about Badcock. I'm not talking about Nationwide Warehouse. I'm talking about Ethan Allen. Yeah, Ethan Allen, you can't buy it off the floor. They, they're going to make it for you. And I go to Ethan Allen, and I say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to furnish my whole, th okay, great, great. We're going to give us your address. We're going to come. And the, dri the drivers pull up in the truck and, and all the Ethan Allen furniture into my two-bedroom, one-bath cottage. You know what they're thinking, right? They're just thinking the same thing you're thinking. Because they're thinking that you don't put all this great stuff in this little cottage. Yeah, I'm not talking about some Cape Cod cottage, you know, your Martha's Vineyard. I'm, talking, I'm, talking, I'm talking about, you know, over like behind McDonald's on 4th Street. I'm talking about like that. You understand? I'm talking about a cottage cottage where you just can't get in the door. I'm not picking on anybody to live there. That's great. I'm talking about the stuff, though. But you, what I'm saying is you understand naturally that that doesn't go together. So what I'm talking about is if we're going to house a great God who's greater than all gods, who the heavens of the heavens can't contain, then what makes you think you can be ordinary, average, common You must be great. I'm going to find the right church one of these years. I'm going to put my resume out there and get in the right church. People want to hear this word, man. So there's nothing small or inferior or ordinary about us. Say there's nothing small, nothing inferior, nothing ordinary about me. You got it? All right, I believe, I'm going to release my faith that you all are getting this, okay? That we are, understand we are God's temple, but we're also God's children, okay? So if we're God's children, then we're supposed to be like dad. The Bible says in one place in Proverbs, we read all the time, that the glory of a man is his children's children. In other words, a man lives, his, what, what, brings, what he aspires for is his grandchildren. But the same verse then says, but the glory of children is their father. The glory of children is their father. In other words, so children look up to their father to see what they're supposed to be. Oh, Jesus, help me in here. They look up to their father. They don't look around to their brothers and sisters. They don't look around to cousin Pete. They look up to their fathers, those above them, to see, oh, my God. That's why God gives us spiritual fathers. Yeah. To look up to something, to see, oh, okay, we're going there. So if the glory of children is their father, then our father, God, it's supposed to be, oh, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be like. That's how I'm supposed to live. Ephesians 5.1 tells us to uh, be imitators of God. As dear children, walk in love. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. So is God great? Is God great? So should his temple be great? Yes. Should his temple be great? Yes. Should his children likewise be great? Yes. yes, sir, you better believe it. You better believe it. Now, I want to show you an example of this here. All right, how many of y'all ever heard of Abraham? Yeah? 16 of y'all? Okay. Was Abraham great? All right, now let's look at this here. Give me Genesis 12. Give me verse 1 through 3. Let's go right to Amplified, please. Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3 in the Amplified Bible. 
Glory to God. Let's see what God, how God dealt with Abraham. Everybody looking? Okay. It says here, now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, go, Ab Abram is the same as Abraham. His name is changed later to Abraham. Okay. So if I say Abraham, you'll know who I'm talking about. He says, go for yourself for your own advantage. Glory to God. Away from your country, your relatives, and your father's house to, from small-minded people. He, the Lord has said, go for your own advantage. How many of y'all want the advantage? You got to get away from small-minded people. You know, here's the problem. It says the Lord now in Haran, the Lord had said, had said to Abraham. Uh, King James, New King James says the Lord had said. All right, so in other words, the word had already come to Abraham to, hey, I don't need you to leave. Now, here's the problem. Abraham, if you read chapter 11, Abraham, Abram was traveling with his father, Terah. Right? And Terah was supposed to be on his way to this new land. Abraham and Nahor, his brother, were traveling with him. The problem is, Terah got to Haran and stopped. Terah, Jesus. Terah made a little bit of progress and stopped in Haran. And God said, that ain't where I wanted y'all to go. I've got something great for you. I've got a great place. I've got a great calling. I've got a great name for you. I don't want you stuck in terror. I don't want you stuck at better. I already told y'all before, the enemy of good is better. Now, you got to have been here when I taught that. People think, people think better is better than good, but no, good is better than better. You go from evil to better to good to best. According to the Bible. Terah was, was better. But God said, that ain't where I want you to be stuck. So the Lord said, hey, Abram, I need you to get away from all those settled, settlement people. They settled at mediocre. They settled at middle class. Who we made it. We just, we over the poverty line now. Let me, let me take notes. I'm going I'm to I'm take notes on y'all. I'm going to take notes on Y'all, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Make sure I preach this. Right. I'm trying to help you, man. Tara got settled because all of a sudden now they can afford a mortgage. Caught up in the middle class mirage. He can afford a two car payments. And an RV. He can afford to send his child to private school. Got him a little 401k tucked over here in the side. He's going to do something. Middle class mirage. Now he got six credit cards. And he knows how to use them. Middle class mirage. Now I can afford to finance and send my child to college. Middle class mirage. It's a middle class mirage. Mirage means it's fake. It's not real. But the devil tries to get God's people stuck in this middle-class mirage of, look what I can afford to finance. That ain't, that ain't Canaan. That's Haran, baby. That's Haran. So he said, I need you to get, okay, I'm going to keep going. No, I'm going to keep going. I don't want to get voted out this week. Go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country, away from your relatives, away from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. Now, let me keep going here. Verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation. Not a middle nation. A great nation. And I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous 
and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. You're going to be so blessed you can bless everybody else. That's what I'm talking about. Not working to pay a payment. <laughs> Tell you that, but you need to leave Iran, man. You need to leave Iran. Now, I understand you pass through Iran. Now, I understand. I understand. I understand. I'm not picking on you if you're passing through. I'm saying don't stay there. The children of Israel came out of Egypt. They passed through the wilderness. But they kept on going to the promised land. So, so Abram had come out of Ur of the Chaldees, passed through Iran, but he's on his way to Canaan. Got it? All right, so dispense it good to others. Verse 3. Verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses, curses or uses insolent language. They're losing bad, talking, talking bad about you, talking about your mama. And he says, and you all families and kindred of the earth will, shall be blessed, and by you they will bless themselves. All right? All right, now let's keep going. Genesis 15. Y'all still okay with me? Still have a job this week? Okay, Genesis 15. Praise God. God is my boss. Genesis 15, verse 1. Amplified. Genesis 15, verse 1. Amplified. After these things, after what things? Genesis 14, Abraham tithed. What you say? 14, he tithed. Okay. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your abundant compensation. Now, that's, an abund that's a conversation package right there. I'm your abundant compensation and your reward. Your reward for what? For your righteous actions over here shall be exceedingly great. Shall be what? Exceedingly great. God is promising him, I'm going to give you exceeding great reward. Verse 2. Verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me? What can you give me since I am going on from this world childless? I don't have any kids. I'm, I'm an old man. And he who, is, who shall be the owner and heir of my house is this steward, Eliezer of Damascus. Verse 3. And Abram continued, look, you have given me no child, and a servant born in my house is my heir. Talking about Eliezer there, right? Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this man shall not be your heir, but... He who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. You got it already. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. This is after, uh, so when Abraham asked him what, what, you know, what I'm supposed to do, he said, bring me an offering. Okay. In chapter 14, he tithed. God released the blessing. In chapter 15, he asked, how do I seal this word? He said, bring me an offering. I'll let y'all meditate on that next week. So when he, after he brought this offering, Abraham falls asleep. The Bible says, when the sun was setting, a deep sleep came, overcame Abram, and a horror, a terror, a shuddering, a shuddering fear of great darkness assailed and oppressed in verse 13. And God said to Abraham, know positively that your descendants, okay, will be strangers dwelling as temporary residents in a land that is not theirs, Egypt, that world system. Temporarily there. And they will be slaves there and will be afflicted and oppressed for 400 years or a, or a limited period of time. Don't think long time, think a set amount of time. Y'all missed that. God has a set date of deliverance for every one of us. <laughs> It might feel like a long time, but oh, when you come out, there's going to be some great rejoicing on your behalf. And when you come out, you're not going to come with your hands empty. Look at verse, verse 15, verse 15, uh, 14, verse 14. But I will bring judgment on that nation whom they will serve, and afterward they, your descendants, will come out with great possessions. So when you come out, you're not going to come out empty. Oh, God. When you come out, you're not going to come out barely making it. Remember now, God told Abraham, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to be your uh, great reward. He says, when your descendants come out, they're going to experience greatness. Y'all got it? Genesis 21. Genesis 21, verse 1. 
I'm just walking us right through this. Switch to the, go, go back to the New King James for me. New King James, Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah. Remember what he said back in the beginning of this last chapter, 15, right? And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. That's somebody's, that's your verse right there. The Lord visited as he said and did as he said, as he spoken. Okay? Verse 2. He did it, Tamara. He did it. Verse 2. For Sarah conceived. <laughs> it's going to be a minute, y'all, so just let her, let her get it all out. <laughs> For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God has spoken to him. It's a set time. Glory. A Kairos moment. <laughs> all right? Now, the promise is this seed, Isaac, who God has already said is going to have some greatness in him, all right? Now, look at verse 8, because Abraham remembers this. Verse 8. So the child grew, this is Isaac, and was weaned. And Abraham made a little small uh, appetizer plate. What did he do? He made a great feast on the same day Isaac was weaned. Now, this is... When Isaac is weaned, that means he's at a place now he can understand what's going on. This isn't like first birthday party. You know, y'all had his first, first birthday party at Disney World. The kids can't even understand what's going on. You don't, you don't spend $2,000 for a party, and the kid has no clue what just happened. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of, lot of y'all guilty of that. Don't look around. Y'all, a lot of y'all guilty. Spent all your money. Should have got some hot dogs, went to the park, but y'all had $2,000, all, all your, spend your whole tax refund on a one-year-old party. Okay, anyway, <laughs> so Abraham made a great feast. So Isaac is at an age where he, oh, this is, wow. Did y'all catch what I just said? He's like, whoa. He see, this, this is how we do? This is how we roll? Y'all got this here. Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Verse 34. This is Eleazar. Isaac's already born. Now, uh, uh, what's happened is Sarah has moved on to heaven. Okay? And so, uh, it's time now for Isaac to get married. You got to get a wife. And so, Abram, Abraham rather, is Abraham by this time. He takes his servant Eleazar and says, I want you to go back to my family people and find a wife for my boy. And Eleazar has control of all of Abram's goods. All right, now watch verse 34, what, what Eleazar says. When he arrives there, he finds Rebekah, right, and goes to sit with Rebekah's family. Says, so he said, I am Abraham's servant. Verse 35, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord has blessed my master greatly. Shout greatly. The Lord will bless you greatly. Now remember now, uh, he, Abraham, he had an offer from the king of, of Berea. Back in, Exodus, back in Genesis 14. You have to read that in your own time to make him great. He didn't take it. He said, I've lifted my hand to God. I will, I've sworn I will let no man say they've made Abram rich. God's going to make me rich. God already told me he's going to make me rich. So I'm going to stick with God's plan for greatness. I'm going to stick with God's plan for greatness. Well, he stuck with it, and here's the testimony. Eleazar says, God, the Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, just like God said. And he has given him what? Flocks and silver, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. Abraham has a great estate. He's got to have people working there to take care of this whole estate. All right, verse 36. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son, listen to this, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. Now I'm going to ask some of y'all single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, I'm asking, if, you, if you're Rebecca and you just heard that, Shata Boha. Make that ba ba ba. You just heard this man is coming. He, he looking at me. 
for this servant. And I just heard about how much the servant's master has. And then he tells me the master has given all he has to this boy. I'll be your friend. Your, I'll marry you. That's, that's, glory to God. No, you can't leave your husband. You already got a good husband. God's making him great. I'm just, I'm just being realistic now. If, you, if, you, if you're Rebecca and you hear that, you perk up. I mean, he's already, the Bible said he's already given all his, all his gold jewelry and he's already brought the whole family gifts. They already seem like, oh, Lord, this ain't some fly-by-night, you know, uh, Johnny come lately coming by here. This is, this, they got some money. Okay? So, I want you to know, but here's, here's a key line. And to him, he has given all that he has. So here's Isaac, who has now this greatness built into him. Program. Do you see this? All right, now, here's the question about Abraham. How did his heir fare? How did his heir, Isaac, fare? How did he do? Okay, let's go to Genesis 26. Genesis 26, I'm going to start at verse 12, but I want it in the King James Version. Genesis 26, verse 12, in the King James Version, we're going to go through verse 31. Then Isaac, that's the heir, right? The heir of greatness. That's the heir of parents. That's the one program for greatness. Then Isaac sold in that land and received in the same year what? There's the hundredfold again. And the Lord blessed him. And the Lord blessed him. And the Lord blessed him. Just like he told Abraham he would. He blessed him. I look at verse 13. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became just like his father Abraham. Remember now, the glory of a child is his father. When that child looks at his father, he sees what he's supposed to be. He sees what he's to be. Listen, dads, y'all better listen to me today. That's why it's so important for you to walk uprightly before your children. That's why it's so important for you to walk in integrity. What's that, Proverbs 20, verse 7, I think it is, it says, a man who walks in his integrity, his children will be blessed after him. So Isaac knows about greatness. It's been now ingrained in him. Greatness. But God is going to bring him into his own greatness. Genesis 26, verse 13, the man waxed great. That word wax means became. And went forward and grew. Not, that's not taller. That's talking about in greatness. The Lord shall increase. Now it says he waxed great. Now remember, he already had all, all that his dad gave him. Y'all not hearing it. He already had all that his dad gave him. But he took from that in the midst of a famine and sold, and the Bible has a nerve to say, and he waxed great, or he became great. And went forward means he kept going and grew greater until he became. That means God wasn't content with him just being great. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. God wanted him to be very great. Because God has a covenant to keep. In Genesis 17, verse 7, the Bible says God, God had told Abraham, he said, uh, I'm going to establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generations. So just like God made Abraham great, God had a covenant to keep to, to make Isaac great and to make Jacob great and so on and so forth. That's why when you read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, get this on the screen, please. I need you to see Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. I want you to see that. I want you to see this. Can you read? Ready? Read. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Why? 
because he has to keep his promise to Abraham. Way back yonder, he made a promise to Abraham. So every successive generation, he has to make you very great because he has to keep, he's got Abraham in his face. Are y'all hearing this tonight? Are y'all hearing this tonight? Are you hearing me tonight? God wants you to be not just great, but he wants to make you very great. Go back to this scripture here in Genesis 26. Pick up at verse 14, please, in the King James. For he had, this is describing his greatness, so you don't think he's just great because, you know, uh, he had a good, good, you know, hairstyle. It says, for he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store, great store, great store, great store. He already had all his father's servants that, who transferred to now he's CEO. But now the Bible says he has a great store of servants. And, the, and so much, he was so great that the Philistines, the people in, he was in their land. Prospering. Now, why would they envy him? Because they weren't prospering. It was in the middle of a famine. But a famine cannot stop the power of the blessing. The, the famine cannot stop the power. What, what dad's been ministering on, this, this increased anointing, this anointing of increase that is on him, it's on me, and God will put it and lay it right on your life if you hear what I'm telling you tonight. And the Philistines envy him. That means people, God's going to make you so great, people around you are going to say, what, what? This ain't fair. It is not fair. You're right. It's not fair. I have the blessing on me. I left for my own advantage. I'm following God. Verse 15, verse 15. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. The Philistines are trying to cut off the power of this anointing of increase, the power of this blessing, the power of this inheritance. But you can't cut it off. You can't, you can't stop. When God's making you great, can't no man stop it. I know that's not good English, but no man can stop that. Verse 16, and Abimelech, this is the king here, said unto Isaac, go from us. You are, you, you're, you're too much. <laughs> no, no, man, this our, this, our, this our nation here, you can't. You, you, you taking over the whole nation, man. You, you got more gross domestic product in the whole nation, but you're producing more by yourself than we all are together. So you, so you got to go. You got to go. Now, they, they get rid of him. Verse 17, and Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of, of Gerar and dwelt there. Keep going. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. So he redug his father's wells. He traced the steps of his father. Oh, boy. I'll, I'll preach that another, on another day. They, they trace, he traced the steps of his father. The Bible says we're supposed to be walking in the steps of Abraham's faith. You want to get what Abraham got? You got to walk in the steps of his faith. <laughs> well, this, that's, this just rich right here. 19. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Remember, there's a famine going on. But they found a well of springing water. And the herdsmen of Gerard did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek because they strove with him. Why are they striving with him? Because they can't get any water. It's a drought. But a drought doesn't have anything to do with God's blessing on your life. 21. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. Verse 22. And he removed from thence and digged another well. Okay. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth, and he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. We're going to be fruitful in a drought land, in a, in a famine-stricken land. Boy, that's faith worker right there, boy. Why? Because he's following God. Verse 23, and he went up from thence to Beersheba. Glory to God. Was that it? Let me see. No, keep going. Keep going. I have time. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servants. 
Abraham's sake. 25, keep going. And he built an altar there and called on the name, upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there, Isaac's servants digged a well. Now, every time you see uh, built an altar, they, they give an offerings. Okay? The altars are not for, they weren't for prayer. They're for uh, offerings. When they built an altar, God would speak. They would give, God would speak. Verse 26, then Abimelech went to him from Gerar uh, and, and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Fickle, the chief captain of his army. Now remember, they kicked him out. But when he was there, the blessings operating there. They kicked him out. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. So now they got to go back and get him. Verse 27, when I, and Isaac said unto them, Wherefore have you, uh, you come ye to me, to me, seeing ye hate me and have sent me away from you? Verse 28. And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. There was evidence and proof on your life that God is with you. You had a force, something working for you that wasn't working for us. And we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee. That betwixt simply means between. And let us make a covenant, between, covenant with thee. That, will, uh, that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good right, and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed. Now, he was already the blessed of the Lord. But they didn't see it. God had to cause the dignity and worth of Isaac to become manifest and acknowledged. Did y'all catch that? God raised him up to a dignity position that was undeniable. Once now they acknowledge it, oh, now you're the best of the Lord. 30, 30 and 31. And he made them a feast, and they did eat and drink, and they rose up betimes in the morning and swear one to another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Y'all got that? Praise God. Well, that was a lot right there. But the key I wanted you to see is that God, go back to verse 13, that this man waxed great, went forward, and grew until he became what? Very great. Very great. Now, let me give you that word great in the Hebrew. Gadal, G-A-D-A-L, Gadal, Strong's. From the Hebrew 1431, it means to grow, means to become great or important. This is what God is talking about for you. To grow, become great or important, promote, make powerful, to, to praise, to magnify. <clears throat> Do great things, to grow up, to become great, to be magnified, to do great things. So Isaac became great during a famine, just like his dad. In fact, give me 26 verse 1 again, Genesis 26 verse 1. Watch this, watch this. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the, day, the, the days of Abraham. That word beside literally means greater than. So the, the famine that Isaac was in was worse than the famine that his father Abraham was in. And God made Abraham rich in a famine. Do y'all remember that? Genesis 13. He made him rich in a, in a famine. We sent him down to Egypt, Genesis 12. He gets loaded. Genesis 13, 2, he's extremely rich. He's great. He's great. My goodness. Thank you, Lord. And so here's Isaac in a famine, worse than the first famine, and he's waxing great. <laughs> Psalm 4, verse 1. Look at this. Psalm 4, verse 1. says this, to the chief musician on, on Neganoth, a psalm of David, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, 
Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Are you seeing that? Are y'all seeing that? You have enlarged me when I was in distress. In other words, in the thick of it is when you promoted me. Right in the middle of it was, was when you raised me up. Right when it was tight. That word distress literally means to be in a tight place. Oh, we don't like being in a tight place. We're uncomfortable being in a tight place. But in that tight place, very often it'll be that time, that place where God will raise you up. And he'll make you great. Anybody in a tight place, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're in a, if you're in a tight place, if you're in a, if you're in a stressful situation, don't, don't try to shake it off. Just say, all right, God, I'm ready. Enlarge me. Increase me. Grow me. Mature me, grow me up, raise me up. Make me great. Even in a tight situation. Praise the Lord. Let's go back and read our scripture again. I'm going to quit. I got, I got a long ways to go, but I'll quit here. Psalm 71. Psalm 71. Again, verse 21. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Now, we just read about Joshua. Or rather about, I'm going to deal with Joshua next week. We just read about, about um, Isaac. Was he in distress? Yeah. He was in a tight place. In a famine, in a foreign land. But none of that mattered. God increased his greatness and comforted him on every side. So it doesn't matter if you're in a foreign land, in a tight situation, whatever the mess is, God has a plan, a path, a strategy for greatness for every one of us. That if we'll follow his path, he'll get us to where he wants us to be. Amen? Praise God. Praise the Lord. That's enough for y'all. Glory to God. I, I want to tell you some more, but praise God. Father, thank you tonight for the word that we've received. I pray each person who's received the word that, Father, they would take this word and let it saturate their hearts and their minds, their spirits, their souls. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that we would not We would not minimize the power of this word. I pray, Father, that, Lord, your people would, would come out of any cloud, any kind of fog, I'm asking you, Father, to lift the fog off your people's hearts and minds that they'd be able to receive with meekness this word that challenges mediocrity, challenges middle class, challenges better, challenges usual and ordinary. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that whatever strongholds have been built in the minds of your people that, God, those strongholds will be torn down and broken up, that they would receive what you're saying for this hour, this time, that, Father, we would not be resistant to your call to greatness. God, for I know that this is not merely a suggestive word. Father, there's a command on us to become great now. God, I pray that you will help us as your people to take it as such. 
Whatever it takes in us to shake us, God, shake us. Whatever it takes to, to, to get our attention, get our attention. Whatever it takes, God, to move us, move us. God, for you are in this hour ready. And God, it's on your heart. It is in your power. It is your hand to make great. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, there will be a divine response, a, re a response that we have to your divine call to greatness, to greatness. That as we respond to that call, that our hearts and minds get open to the wisdom of God, to greater revelation, to insight and understanding. And I pray, Father, that your people would be just like Isaac. They would be great. They would wax great. Go forward. And, Lord, they will continue, Lord, until they, until we all become very great. Thank you for your promise and the assurance of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Well, get on your feet. Let's go.